Our world started with a data explosion marked by an exponential growth in the volume, velocity, and variety of data being piped in and out of organizations. However, despite this new wealth in technology and data, businesses had never been so challenged to drive revenue growth. Plagued by dark, siloed, unusable data, rendering their go-to-market motions useless. Until one day, the most courageous data heroes took back control of their company's most valuable asset transforming their customer data sets from a burden to a true system of insight, capable of automating sales motions, delivering personalized marketing programs at scale, and driving predictable revenue growth for their business. Welcome to the Data Heroes podcast powered by Ringlead. Welcome everybody to another version of Talk Data to Me. We've got a very special guest on our show today. It's Max Marier from Druva. He's the Director of Marketing Operations and Analytics. Welcome, Max. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're very excited to have you. You're part of the, the Marketo Champion class this year, correct? I am. Uh, are you a new member or a returning member? I'm a newbie. I'm so grateful to be part of it, but I'm brand new. Well, welcome. I think you'll be, uh, you know, I'm not sure if they still send all the purple gear now that they're Adobe, but you'll definitely have shoes and swag and invites to speak. So we're all lucky to have you as part of that community so we can continue to learn. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Um, So, you know, we always like to start the interview by just learning a little bit about you and you know, what brought you to becoming a data hero and, and what that backstory looks like? Yeah, I mean, my my background started way outside the realm of marketing. I uh, When I was fresh out of college, my, my first job was actually a 911 dispatcher out in uh, Santa Cruz and San Benito County, wildly different. And, I, you know, the only connection that I could make as I was looking around in the in the valley was you know, that I've got great multitasking and stress management skills. But uh, I was able to, to find my way into uh, an entry-level marketing ops position. And uh, from there, over the years, got exposed to the community, the champion community, the user group community, um, you know, and get a taste for what it meant to be an expert in the field. And as I crafted my own career trajectory, I realized that data, decisioning around data was where I wanted to go. And I felt like that would help me be involved in conversations I felt like I could contribute to outside of just the scope of traditional marketing operations roles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, facing going through all, all this data work and, and, and administering systems, I'm sure you've run into a dirty data disaster once or twice. Can you give us any background on a a dirty data disaster that you had to solve? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the dirty data disasters that I've seen, there, there tends to be a common thread and it tends to be a misalignment around historical versus current sources of truth. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest issues I've seen around that have been around fiscal year planning and budget management when folks aren't aligned on a source of truth uh, and are used to using outdated historical data from prior teams or prior leadership. 
it causes a lot of issues and potentially some incorrect decisioning around where to place spend or how to even structure teams. So, um, you know, I don't want to throw any any teams under the bus or anything, but goal setting uh, across the board is where I see a lot of issues on you know both the marketing side and sales teams uh, when it when it comes to how to better plan and spend money. Yeah, um, that, that alignment between sales and marketing is always a challenge, and it starts with budgets. And budgets are, you know, easier, I guess, established or or more efficiently established by having good, solid data to rely on and projections and goals from teams like sales and marketing. Uh, do you guys currently have any sort of SLA between sales and marketing? I mean. Is there any agreement that kind of allows you guys to really uh, align well on, on lead creation and follow-up? Yeah, we're, we're lucky at, at Druva to have a, a really positive relationship. Uh, we, you know, we've got the marketing and then SDR structure separately. So we work really closely with our SDR partners. And luckily, we've got a really positive, constructive relationship with them. Um, but you know it's a it's a traditional qualified lead structure, and so we've got a clear understanding uh, that those take priority. Uh, we've got those split really well. Our marketers have done a great job of clarifying talk tracks based on product interests and things like that to to better help structure SDR follow up. So um, we haven't needed, which is a privilege to say this, but we haven't needed to force real SLAs. Um, there's a, an understanding between the teams that's been well managed um, since before I, I, you know, I joined Druva and since I, since I've joined, um, that's just been the, you know, the product of a really positive relationship and handoff between the teams. Well, actually let's switch back into you are a Marketo champion. That means you put in a lot of time attention, detail, you know, studying probably to get that credential. Um, why did you choose to brand yourself around Marketo? When I came into marketing ops, I had no idea what, what that meant. I think that's the same for a lot of people. Um, you know, we, we get exposed very quickly to the, to the platforms. I just happened to be introduced to Marketo. That was, that was the tool that my first company was using. Um, and I didn't really understand it until I had the chance to go to my first summit, um, you know, when Marketo was Marketo by itself. And um, that was where I started to see, you know, I saw posters of folks hanging on the, hanging on the ceiling. And I was like, all right, so this is a, this is a real community. Uh, and going to the breakout session, starting to understand what the user groups were all about, understanding that there was a lot more to this than just, you know, ticket execution on behalf of, you know, campaign managers. Uh, that's where I started to really get an understanding of how impactful the community could be, not just from a, a brand building perspective, but just from a general education perspective. And um, over the years, I've tried to look to the folks who were in the champion group or in the user group uh, leader position to understand kind of what they did to get to where they did. And to be honest, a lot of it is just about being interested in doing it. Um, it's mm -hmm. not, it doesn't, you don't have to be someone out there writing books about Marketo to be in the champion or user group leader position. You have to just be committed to self-education and working 
with people who know more and less than you to create, you know, somewhat engaging content that's helpful to folks in the community. And I think that, you know, I have the privilege of also being a user group leader with Jessica Cow for the Silicon Valley user group. And, um, you know, between that and the champions group, it's just people who understand that being associated with Marketo is helpful for your brand, but are also just committed to helping others in the community. I think that's one of the biggest elements. That's something that the champion group is focused on doing is whether it's engaging in you know the online community and helping answer questions or, you know, managing speaking sessions, contributing to the Adobe summit um, or managing user groups. We're genuinely interested in helping other members of the community learn. I personally really enjoy educating and mentoring more junior folks, you know, in a way that I wish I'd had that similar support when I was in my first year. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it, it is something you have to want to do and you do have to plan to commit time to it. Um, but it's really just about how, how much you really want to help the other folks in the community. And it's totally fine to just be present and consume that content. It's just that the folks in that champion group have committed to, to creating that content as well. Um, so, you know, I, I found it helpful, you know, in, in terms of brand building and associating myself to Marketo, it's also been a really helpful, um, helpful association to have going through interview processes. I think myself as a hiring manager, as well as someone who's, you know, gone through a lot of, of interviews over the past several years. Um, being associated with Marketo is a must if that org uses Marketo. If they're mm -hmm. looking for anyone outside of that entry-level role, it's just kind of a need to have. And if you kind of move up that that group through, you know, being an expert, being involved in user groups, you know, having speaking engagements to your name, those kinds of things uh, really help with just your general job opportunities as well. So between wanting to help educate wanting to become more educated myself. There are a lot of champs that know a heck of a lot more about, you know, advanced aspects of Marketo than I do. Uh, those three things are really what have, you know, guided me toward being com more committed to Marketo as part of my brand. Yeah, I think what what the, the common answer has been, it, whether it's one shape or another, is that the Marketo community is strong. It's helpful. It's growing. It's powerful it helps you to you know perfect your craft and get better jobs and and have the ability to put your your thought leadership in in formats that get noticed and get noticed by some of the largest companies on the planet and um you know i see the one other out there that has a strong community like this i see just personally and i'm not biased but hubspot's great got, got a great community but when you look at like Marketo and you think about optionality, um, you think about capabilities, scale for enterprise, you think about Marketo and Eloqua, right? Or marketing cloud. And for me, it's just been, you know, that community in Marketo has been so strong that it drives amazing thought leadership that allows everybody to grow and ultimately pushes that product. I mean, that community is a support forum. They basically let people go at it in there, yeah, and help each other out and, and point out their flaws, you know. 
Yeah. And I, I'd say too, like, you know, I've, um, you know, part of the day-to-day job of every marketing ops person is uh, MarTech management outside of the context of their automation platform. And, you know, I think that the Marketo community has been invaluable to me when I'm going out and looking at third-party software that's going to have to talk to that platform. So I'm, you know, if I'm going to commit to spending thousands of dollars a year on something, that I, I have not found a more helpful community than the Marketo community for that sort of thing as well. Um, between user group leaders and champions and, and you know, just everyone in the community there, everyone's really willing to provide their feedback and perspective on platforms they've used, alternatives, challenges they've had. And, you know, we're also not shy about our feedback about Marketo itself. I think that um, while we tend to be diehard purple clothes wear type people, um, you know, we provide a lot of really honest, open feedback to our Marketo support teams and, you know, complain where we need to. So it's, it's a, it's just a very honest, open, helpful community to whatever level you happen to be at. Um, there's no, you know, there's no bias toward the more advanced stuff. There's no looking down on people who are very junior. There's someone to help with wherever you happen to be with whatever project you happen to be. Someone's probably had to tackle it in the past and it's the community is just such an incredible resource. Yeah. So let's get into the data a little bit on, um, you know, how, how you've had experiences with doing things like, and, and we'll just start out with, you know, everybody I know does behavioral scoring. But not everybody I know does demographic scoring or create ideal account profiles, which is really where I believe targeting begins, especially in B2B. Is where where are you? What businesses do you know are perfect for your product? Why can you support that with data? Um, and do you know when they are going to market for a product or service that you may sell? And so I'd like to kind of understand what you guys do or you, uh, how you help your company to identify ideal account profiles. So we are moving in the direction of ABM or account-based everything, if we want to go with the ABX acronym. But, um, you know, it's absolutely a work in progress. I think that's the same for most companies i think there's there's a very rare case of people really doing account-based marketing the way that we've heard it described to us in conferences over the last decade um part of our strategy is uh propensity modeling so we use a a third-party platform uh to help us put together propensity models by product interest um you know it's a it's it's the pretty standard process. There are several tools that do it, but it takes your baseline group of customers um, or, a, or a subset of those if you're looking at a particular product or market segment, et cetera, and then finds the, the commonalities, the common intent signals, common demographics to try and put together a target account list. That can be really helpful for marketing for you know a number of reasons, uh, specifically the automation aspect. If you can automatically have a refreshed list of you know surging accounts or high intent accounts that also you know that match your your icp you know you can turn around and automate email programs ad programs 
direct mail programs through your CRM and, and automation marketing automation platform and ad platforms. Um, I think the the challenge that a lot of companies have is that marketing will go out and do this by themselves. And if your sales team is not on board with this target group of accounts, then you know all that work you put into modeling and you know brand and demand generation around those target accounts um, ends up going nowhere because those folks enter your CRM. Salespeople don't agree that that's a, a you know a high value account, and then it just disappears um, or gets thrown back into your your marketing nurture. Um, and so I think that while we have a have a comprehensive plan for that propensity based modeling in combination to our lead level uh you know behavior and demographic scoring the the biggest hurdle that we will face and continue to face as well as i think most people that try and and use platforms like that is how do we consistently align with sales how do we make sure that we understand there's going to be gaps there's never going to be 100 percent alignment there will be examples of accounts that don't align to our sales team but if we're just generally on the same page it's a really helpful platform for us um, for for our automation and marketing purposes. Um, but I, I do think it's a it's a really excellent addition to make to basic demographic and behavioral scoring. I think that account level insight, whatever platform you end up with, whatever works for for you and your org, and, and that your sales team, you know, trusts to to as much as they can trust it. Um, you know, I think it's a really helpful addition to have um, if you're trying to move in the direction of account-based marketing. So when you guys do some of that propensity building or propensity modeling, um, what, if any, you know, obviously, you know, you've got account data that's been hand collected by team members over the years, and we all know what happens there. But do you do anything to make sure that you're double-checking um, matching off of the third party or third party databases to append information. Because yeah, for me in sales, like if marketing came and they said, Hey, you know, I scanned our accounts and found that they had a crunch base rank of 10,000 or greater. They had, you know, these 10 VC firms, uh, or they, you know, they also were using Marketo and Salesforce or Eloqua and Salesforce. Um, they were over a certain employee range. They were, you know, like if, if, if a marketer comes and starts talking data at me, I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, let's do this. You know, I, I trust yeah. that. But, but if you don't, then it's kind of hypothetical. So for you, are there third party data sources or and if, if you don't feel comfortable answering names, you can just say, yes, we use them. But like, what, what's your mix of using first party versus third party to identify profiles of businesses that you want to sell to, yeah, I I am um, I, I won't mention names, but we do we we use a pretty solid combo of the two. I personally always lean toward first party. I I it's really difficult for me to justify like third party only intent if I'm trying to work through, you know, if I'm trying to ask politely request that our sales team work through, you know. Uh, leads associated to an account. Um, so I, I, there's, there's never a scenario in which I could fully just commit to third party only. Um, the, the platform we use for our propensity modeling includes third party intent data as well as our own first party web engagement 
data. Um, so the combination of those two is really helpful for us. But again, I, I, I can't, per, and this is just a personal preference, I can't conscience qualifying people or sending people to sales if they haven't actually engaged with us. Like it's really mm -hmm. difficult for me to say, yes, this company may be interested, but this person has never engaged with us ever. Like you need to talk to them. That's really difficult. That's a difficult hurdle to to clear with a sales team. And that's one of those areas where I think it's it's all good and well to have a propensity model that marketing signs off on. And even in combination with first party behavior or intent. Um, but if it's not incredibly crystal clear to your sales counterparts exactly why someone's in front of them, um, it's going to be a really tough sell. And so it's not just about whether the data is accurate or whether you have the, the data correct or whether you as a marketing team believe in the model. I think, you know, our continued challenge and our, you know, it's what my, luckily I've got a really great team working on this project. But the, uh, you know, the challenge for us is always going to be about how do we make sure that the sales team has this presented to them in a consumable way? Like, you know, mm -hmm. we can't just throw a hundred intent topics at them or like a hundred web pages they visited on our site and expect that they're going to comb through that every time they're looking at a lead record or a contact or an account. Like we need to put this together for them in a way that they can quickly look through and understand, okay, yeah, this, this may not have been on my personal target account list, but because of X, Y, Z, marketing feels like this is someone that's worth, worth a reach. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's an ongoing challenge. We do rely on first and third party intent, um, both through this, um, propensity modeling platform, as well as our own, you know, Marketo insight, uh, but I think that, you know, aside from that, the biggest challenge is just about how do we put it in, in front of our sales counterparts in a way that's consumable and, and easy to understand. Absolutely. Um, let's go into the, the whole person database versus account database, right? Like yes. there's no native way to link the person database in Salesforce or Marketo to the account database. And you know, whether you're doing that today or not is not my question. It's what are the issues if you've got leads floating around as leads that are actually associated to businesses, but you don't know it? Yep, it is, uh, it is a hot topic for us right now. We're toying with the concept of a contact-only system. I think a lot of people have gone that direction and a lot of people haven't for, you know, a variety of reasons. But it's clearly the easiest way to take account insights and apply them to your person database. Um, it's just that, you know, there may be a whole bunch of, especially sales side processes that rely on that conversion path um, or even routing itself. If, you know, if you use a routing platform that's set up for lead routing and not contact routing or doesn't have, you know, an auto conversion process set up, you're, you know, you're out of luck. You can't really do that. Um, so for us, we're toying with that idea, but we rely heavily on our lead to account matching process. We hope we're praying that our routing platform makes that connection. And then we have matched account fields set up that pull in some of that propensity information from the account to the matched 
record, even if we're not going through an auto conversion process, um, we can still access that data on the lead. And, um, you know, part of our recent investigation we did was, well, d does that data only update upon that initial you know, match or does that continue to update over time? And luckily in our instance, it updates over time. So as those propensity scores change, as that intent data changes on the account, it will also update on those records. So it's, we're at the mercy of our matching process, but that's kind of how we've tried to bridge the gap. So now we can look at contacts as well as match leads. And there's still, a, you know, quite a few, there's a large cohort of leads that will never match, but we're also lucky because we, are, you know, our marketers, you know, and our web teams are on board with collecting business business email data as often as possible. We're we're not too concerned about you know losing free mail engagement. So that obviously helps with the with the with the routing process and the, and the matching process at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm finding that a lot of companies are thinking about the contact only switch, or um, you know, like with. With some of the work we do, well, the the best practice I've found is to take leads, enhance them so that you have details on them, right? So you can do better account matching. If you have a personal email, get a work email. It's not that hard. Yep. Match it to the account. Um, but before you match it to the account, segment the job title so that you know, like, is this a person that should be converted? Because my biggest problem in sales is when I've got 50 or more contacts on an account. When I go to create contact roles or do anything, I have to sift through lists of contacts. But like yeah. if they're leads and they're linked to the account, they're also in a related list. But my contacts I know are auto converting based on the, the job title and persona they're given. And then the leads outside of those personas are just linked. But right. I still have the ability to go into that lead pool or convert them if I want. I still have visibility and marketing right. can attribute all activity and campaign history from both the leads and the contacts, which is really amazing as well, because, you know, now I don't go to trade shows anymore and my investors say, Hey, you didn't come back with any deals. I'm like, no, well, that person <laughs> sent that person to the website and that person converted three weeks later. So, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah I, I think that it's a, a good change in, in having these technologies that'll, you know, enhance link and route based on all that information is, is critical. Totally. Yeah, I think there's, you know, it doesn't need to, it, it just depends on how much hassle it is really for the for the ops teams and how it fits into the sales workflow. Like if if there are legitimate reasons for maintaining that the two separate objects and you know if contact if lead to contact conversion is a core you know kpi or, or metric for certain teams if it's directly correlated to opportunity creation and it's a helpful thing to look at um you know it going that full contact direction may not be the best option for you but you know lead to account matching auto auto conversion to contact is relying on the exact same account matching process that we use for just filling in fields right now without going through auto convert and at a point you know we'll probably have so many matched account fields that it doesn't make sense to just continue that way if we end up needing a hundred matched account fields we may as well just go through auto conversion at that point where it makes sense so yeah i think it's a it's a combination of like what your current sales processing goals are and also just from the ops perspective 
how big a hassle is it? Are, are, are those, are those matched account fields and subsequent updates putting any sort of strain on your system on the Salesforce side or the CRM side? Um, so yeah, I think it's to, to each their own, but if you're trying to go the account-based marketing direction, having as many ties to the account object as possible in whatever CRM you have is, is kind of crucial. Yeah. So um, do you guys use any sort of analytics tools to, you know, because obviously what, what, what you want to do is target better. And then you start targeting those people through multi-channels. And then yeah. those people and their colleagues start coming back to your inbound channels. And, and then you got to figure out which one of those channels is executing well and which ones need to be adjusted. Um, do you guys use any sort of um, analytics tools to identify which channels of your marketing are contributing and which need to be maybe adjusted? Yes. So we, we have a, a good structure here um, and we have a central business intelligence team that owns our BI platform of choice. Um, now, it's all the same data that exists in Salesforce, but there's, you know, there's cool stuff you can do. You can combine objects in a way that Salesforce, you know, native reports won't let you do. Um, and so our source of truth for data is, you know, a combination of our data warehouse and, you know, independent platforms like our CRM. Um, our source of truth for analytics is our BI platform. And, we're we're still relatively. I'd say we're relatively. You know, some of my team members may argue with me, but we're relatively early in our ABM journey. And so, in terms of looking at account level performance based on those propensity models, we don't really have all the analytics we need to do that. We've got reports set up to help facilitate the marketing efforts and get those accounts where they need to go for targeting purposes. But we're still very much in flux with how we actually measure whether our activities are supplying uh, interest at those target accounts at the end of the day. So we've really, our marketers are really great about doing the marketing and we're still working through the actual measurement part of that process, which is obviously hugely important, maybe a little backwards, but, um, but at the end of the day, it's working for the business, whether or not we can measure it. Um, and so as we work through that measurement, it's just, we have a constant feedback loop with sales and we're hearing positive things about those models, about the leads generated from those models. So, um, we're, we're in, it's in progress right now. Uh, but our BI platform feeding off of our data warehouse and CRM are, are the source of truth for those insights. Very nice. So I've got two related questions. We're going to go back towards CRM. Um, mm -hmm. one is, you know, how, how good is your relationship with the CRM team? I, I go into a lot of companies and it's like the Marketo team literally won't talk to the Salesforce <laughs> team. And like, and we're talking about big companies where, Hey, we'll, 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 we'll connect it in this environment. But we won't connect it in that environment. It's like, and we won't put a conversation together. The other question is what Salesforce, what level of Salesforce knowledge should a Marketo expert have yeah right so that yeah. they can speak that language and create that bond between those two departments yeah i mean i i would say that our our so we've got you know our our marketing team we've got a separate um uh a separate um oh my gosh why am i blanking on the name uh we got a separate operation business operations team that owns sales operations and the uh, business intelligence team um and 
I would say that the sales operations team thinks that we talk to them maybe too much. We are just constantly chucking stuff over the fence at them. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, uh, we have constant interaction with them. Uh, I come from a, not just a marketing ops background, but uh, my past few roles were revenue operations centric. So I was part of a revenue ops org. And I think one of the, the key benefits from that was having a lot more input and awareness of CRM administration. I think it's crucial and, and you know, not to tie things to like titles to, per se, but I think as you move up the marketing ops, you know, chain, that understanding of your CRM is crucial. If you want to be involved in business decisions, you want to be involved in anything around sales strategy, which is ultimately how you you know, move up in marketing, you need to be able to speak that language. You have, you have to understand, you know, sales team structure that exists in Salesforce, sales routing, which exists in Salesforce, the objects that exist in Salesforce, the data that exists in Salesforce, the way process builder flows work in Salesforce, where all that data goes. Because, you know, Marketo, yes, Marketo feeds all that stuff, but you need to understand the entire funnel um, in order to be taken seriously by your sales teams. So personally, I, you know, I I probably contribute more than our sales ops team would want me to. I, you know, I I feel <laughs> very aware of our CRM. I've got a lot of context for, you know, what's working well and what could be improved. Um, and I think that that's, it's really helpful. Um, and, you know, I think that we trust them to tell us when things are broken on on our side, if we're contributing, you know, in, inaccurate data to to the CRM, we need to go plug that hole on our end. And I think vice versa, they look for our feedback about their processes, especially at the top of the funnel. I think it's harder for us to speak to down funnel deal management, but when we're talking about the handoff between marketing and sales and early funnel activity and even early opportunity activity. We've got a very positive relationship with our Salesforce team, our sales ops team. And um, despite not being on the same team, we see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. And I think it's it's crucial for an effective, effective marketing and sales org. And part of your answer, you, you made me kind of like appreciate you more just because you mentioned that you may be sending data every once in a while in the CRM that shouldn't get there, right? But when, when I look at these Marketo possible duplicates tabs, I'm like, Marketo doesn't allow duplicates in if they're perfect emails. But every single time I look at a Marketo instant, I'm like, let's go look at possible duplicates. And there are literally thousands of them. Thousands. I've seen hundreds of thousands of them. And I'm like, how the heck does that get in there? And they're like, well, Salesforce sings over and it bypasses the, the dupe check. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's, how, that's they, a, how do they create those all that bad data in our market? <laughs> again, you're hitting on a lot of hot topics for us right now. The uh, so you know everyone has a duplicate problem, and yes, Marketo inherently will not allow a duplicate with the same email address unless you're like manually creating that person within the context of the database in the Marketo platform one at a time. Um, so you know we know that we're not the cause of the duplicate. The, the the duplicate issue and you know it's one of the few instances where there's a legitimate figure to be pointed but you know in in our case 
the cause of duplicates is that there's no there's no consistent deduplication process in the CRM. And that's just because it takes time. Um, it may not be a priority. Um, and you know, it's it'll we'll get there, but it's just as as sales folks do outbound work, whether that's you know through a, a larger prospecting platform, um, where they can bulk import or just one off through you know manual creation via you know uh, prospecting they're doing on LinkedIn or they're just importing their Rolodex outdated outdated term. Um, but the uh, you know that Salesforce Marketo views Salesforce as the source of truth, so it will not dedupe something that it sees coming from Salesforce, which, you know, I think is probably the right move. Um, the CRM is always taken as the source of truth over the automation platform. And we don't want to override that if there's a legitimate reason for adding a duplicate. And there may be a legitimate reason. I haven't really come across one, but there may be one. Um, and so I think the the impetus, the onus is on the ops teams to solve that problem. It's not on the sales teams to like scour the the database for duplicates. Like it's it's entirely operationally possible for marketing ops and sales ops to get together and find a solution to that problem, whether it's a third party tool, um, <laughs> not going to name any names, or it's a uh, you know uh, you know just a part of you know you can hack it together with Salesforce process flows too. So like it's it's totally doable. Um, but yes, it's, it's always, in my experience, it's always the result of kind of outbound efforts on behalf of the sales team. And it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not anything about whether outbound is the right thing. It's just about whether the process is set up, whether the op structure is set up to manage that. Absolutely. Um, we're getting towards the end of the show here. Um, and I just wanted to give you the ability to, you know, you mentioned earlier that you, you like to train and you like to teach new people. And it's not always about just, you know, getting the the experts better at what they're doing, but you really have a passion for teaching people that are new to this career. And, and maybe you can give us some top three focuses or tips. I know that the tool has gotten, I'm talking about Marketo now, huge and expansive, and there are all these new things coming out. And if I was new and I'm coming in to make a big impact and you know be a superstar in the marketing ops department, like what are the two or three things that I cling on to? Yeah, I um you know I was having a conversation with um one of my my team members, Wilfred. Um also shout out to to Wilfred. He's leading this uh the uh the propensity modeling uh project and my other team member uh Raina is uh is someone who I've you know I've started to be more conscious of mentoring just, you know, for the sake of this discussion. Um, and I think that the things that we've, we've touched on together as a team are like we just talked about, you know, yes, there is Marketo, but operating in this little Marketo bubble is not helpful for either your, your own career trajectory or the people that you're helping support. Um, you, you should understand the fundamentals there, but if you want to know why why you're being told to do the stuff you're doing or why you're being asked to find solutions for things, you have to understand the you know the broader business, the, the sales goals, the sales structure, the sales process, and in part kind of the the larger business goals and the way that finance teams in 
business intelligence teams put together larger company goals. And that's a lot to do. But just having even kind of a broad understanding of how those things are put together or work or the flow of data is really important. Um, so that that to me, you know, outside the context of Marketo is an area where people can just go into your CRM and start to poke around with reporting. Like try and build a report, try and build a dashboard in your CRM, even if that's not like the source of truth, just get comfortable with how that works. Um, and it'll help you better understand where your marketing data ends up at the end of the day. Go look at like, you know, lead views, look at, try and figure out what your SDRs are seeing and your AEs are seeing on lead contact account records, opportunity objects to understand like how that data works um, and the order of operations there. But in the context of Marketo, I'm, I'm kind of a Marketo purist. I think that the core elements of the platform between marketing activities, database and design studio like, I mean, you've got so much covered there. And it's just about how much bandwidth you have to put into optimizing those things. You can do all your data management on the marketing side. You can do all your asset hosting, most of your asset hosting through the design studio. And, you know, external communication uh, and, and asset gating and form management through those three core elements of the platform. And... I think the kind of higher functionality, the newer functionality, things like content AI um, are things that are really interesting, but totally dependent on having a whole bunch of time to spend to learn that. And I think that most ops teams just don't have an extra person to just do that by itself. Um, And so I would just urge people, whether you're brand new to Marketo or you spent several years working in it, like don't lose sight of the functionality available to you within the Marketo platform itself. Like you can go spend $30,000 on an external tool to improve your landing page experience. You could also spend $30,000 one time on a consultant or on your own education to learn how to optimize landing pages within the context of Marketo. So I think there's a lot you can do within the platform. Um, But I think people should just focus on those basics before branching out, learn how nurture programs work. That's, you know, core functionality that's incredibly helpful. Learn how things like dynamic content work for content optimization and segmentation and snippets and things like that that are, again, all available within those three primary aspects of the platform. So um, I'm a Marketo purist, but I think between the basics there and just a general understanding of the business fundamentals and the sales process, like th- that's a that's that's kind of where I try and push folks on my team, um, both past and present. I think that's amazing, you know, contribution and and feedback, and we appreciate you, Max, for joining us today. Um, Thank you so you much. Know, you've got all these accolades. He's Marketo champion. He's got a you know a, a great career in operations and. I didn't even know that you were one of the heads of the, you know, the the one of the best Marketo user groups on the planet Earth. So, you know, you you've got a great Thank must you. have a great network out there. I'm sure people can reach out to you, you know, through LinkedIn or you know, how, how does somebody get in touch with you to get? To- yeah, li- LinkedIn is is the best place. Um, I also just you know, the Silicon Valley user group wouldn't be what it is without Jess Cow. She's I mean, I remember I was taught we were talking the other day. I remember my first summit going in and seeing her face being one of the ones on the on the gigantic hanging banners. And so she's just obviously an icon. She's the, you know, the face of the user group. And 
you know, I, I couldn't do any of that without her. But but yeah, LinkedIn's the best way to to get in touch with me. I'm pretty quick to respond there. Um, and you know, I'm pretty engaged with that platform generally with so much good content and, and knowledgeable folks there. So that's that's the best place. All right. Well, Max, thanks you thank you again for joining us today. We really enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure the audience is gonna love it as well. And until next time, um, talk data to me. Thank you so much. <laughs>